You're listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast. Here's the deal. If you make disciples by sitting around and talking, you shouldn't be surprised when your disciples sit around and talk and talk and talk. This is the podcast for those weary of just talking and ready to start activating in the mission Jesus gave us to change the world. The Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast, where disciples and disciple makers gather to grow and go together. Here's your host, Dr. Matt Friedemann. Hey, dear friends, so good to have you with us today. Remember, the place for a man, for a woman, completing all their powers is in the fight. And right now, today, somewhere in the world, making disciples of the nation. So stay tuned, stay encouraged. We have a rendezvous with destiny. Hey, great to have everybody back. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Thank you for being the people that uh, will sometimes do something so kind as to they go to the bottom of uh, the screen that you're listening on, or the, the, the podcast screen, and and leave a nice evaluation or or stuff like that. Or, or you get a book like 5Q Discipleship or Discipleship in the Home, and you go and leave, leave a nice five-star review for that. That's the kind of stuff that I love. But uh, if you never do that and you just listen, you, uh, you're top star as far as I'm concerned. Thanks so very much for listening to this podcast. Uh, we want to uh, recognize uh, some of our sponsors, and one of them is Wesley Double Seminary. I've worked, I think I'm wrapping up my 36th, year at Wesley Biblical Seminary and all, all kinds of really wonderful things, but we got one of the fastest growing seminaries in the nation. We have one of the most diverse student bodies in the nation, and uh, it's just an exciting uh, place to be a part of. So I want you to check out wbs.edu, wbs.edu. We've got an undergraduate program. We've got a college. We've got master's programs, MAs. We've got MDiv program, uh, Master's of Divinity. And of course, we got a doctor ministry program. Also, something for lay people, we have something called the Wesley Institute. So check out Wesley Biblical Seminary at wbs.edu. Now, one of the things we do on life-changing discipleship is talk a lot about the 5Q method of discipleship. It's a method of discipleship where we get together, and you can do it in person. I do a lot of my groups by Zoom and just love it to no end. But uh, having said that, Five questions go something like this. What is scripture saying to us? We just read a passage. Let's wait a minute, look at it, and let's try to discern what the Holy Spirit seems to be highlighting for us. Then we ask, how can we adore the God of this passage? Then we ask, hey, now that all that's being decided, let what's a testimony that it rises out of our life that proves the point of something we've just discussed? Then we say, now, what do we need to do? about this passage? What is there we need to make motor, so to speak? And then we ask the question, how simply can we pray for one another using this text? So you take one text of scripture, take them through all five of those questions, and man, does God ever bless when we do that kind of thing. Now, I was in a 5Q meeting today, and uh, I love the testimonies that come out. I love people. We're looking at it a passage, and uh, I think we were in Isaiah somewhere. And uh, the leader says, you know, I, uh, I was just in a Bible study, uh, and it was actually a Bible study that's going to be, you know, some of them are going to go off and plant a church. So he said that we were looking around, we just read the resurrection story, and the leader said, now, what should our response be to this incredible narrative, the resurrection story? And uh, I don't know what resurrection story they were reading. Uh, but my favorite, and I'll tell you why here in a minute, my favorite resurrection story is out of Matthew 28. So 
maybe that was it. But the point is, uh, the leader of our 5Q group says we, we read the resurrection narrative, and the leader of the group said, okay, what should our response be? And two or three of the or participants in the group said, well, for goodness sake, we ought to say thanks. <laughs> thank, you for the, thank you for the blood. Thank you for the cross. Thank you uh, for the tomb. Thank you for the resurrection. We just say thanks. And uh, that seemed to be the consensus answer of the group. Thank you. And uh, my friend spoke up and says, I don't know. I, I don't think thanks is enough. I think maybe, not enough that that's a bad thing, but maybe what we ought to do is go do, <laughs> go do what Jesus told us we're supposed to do. Now, having said that, I don't know what resurrection narrative they were talking about. But uh, as, as I look down at Matthew 28, it's a great point because the reason this is my favorite is the resurrection narrative is tied to the Great Commission. So the resurrection story, and then it says the 11 disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated to them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him there. Get a little of this, but some doubted. We'll get back to that here in just a minute. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. So maybe instead of just thanks, or even primarily thanks, we do what he told us to do. And that is, we go and make disciples. Well, that's a pretty good answer. He says, well, I've been to Wesley Biblical Seminary. For a while, and that's kind of what they taught me is it's not enough just to want to do church. It's not enough to say, hey, let's, let's sing the latest worship songs. Not enough to just say thank you. We must obey. Now, well, when my buddy said that, he's there was silence in the group. And uh, and he couldn't figure out why the silence? Uh, why is it was so quiet? Why is there not great resonation when we say, hey, yeah. After the resurrection, let's go live the kind of life Jesus wants us to live, do the kind of thing he wants us to do, obey like he wants us to obey. And maybe it's because the whole dream of the church is let's get together and, you know, paint the walls of the church. <laughs> paint the walls of the church? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I, uh, I'm part of a denomination, and once a year we all get together and give pastoral reports. It's amazing, some of the reports. Some pastors are just bragging about the paint job, literally. We painted the kitchen this year, or we laid some new tile down for our fellowship hall. And that's what they report on? I mean, it's, it's kind of dismaying. When, of course, the reports we're supposed to be giving is these are the disciples we made. These are new ministry initiatives. We are, we're, we're going out to the prison, and we baptized 20 people out to prison. Something like that. No, some of the pastors for decades have said, hey, we painted the foyer. And uh, th that's, that's the whole dream. Let's get together and take care of ourselves. Let's get together and take care of the building. Let's get together and just make sure this ministry doesn't die. I'm reminded of John Wesley. You know, John Wesley got converted uh, in 1738. And later in that year, if you keep reading his journal, I mean, his journal for the day he got saved, in late May, May 24th, 1738, is incredible. But later in the year, he's doubting whether he's even a Christian. And 
Finally, one day, uh, George Whitfield says, hey, why don't you go out in the field and preach? They kicked out all the churches, kicked me out too. So I just went out to the fields. And John Wesley says, how's that work out for you? Whitfield said, working out pretty good. They can only fit a couple hundred in a church, but there's thousands out here in the field. So John Wesley started doing that. And basically, he's preaching to uh, largely poor people out in the fields. And he never looked back out. Doubt was gone. Doubt was gone. Going had its positive effect. And I'm pretty convinced that that's the kind of thing the Lord still wants to do in our lives is he wants us to, yes, let's give him thanks. Let's give him praise. Let's worship him for that resurrection. But at the end of the day, if we worship, and if we give thanks, and if we give a tithe, and if we attend the church regularly, but we don't go and make disciples, if we don't go out and you know, minister and heal the untouchables and, and get out to the fringes of our culture, if we don't go out there to the margins, so to speak, guess what? We'll greatly disappoint the Lord. And so I just said, when I read this, by the way, I, I, I read the Great Commission. It says, when they saw by for Easter, I preached on this. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. <laughs> what does that even mean? They worshiped him, but some, and they're talking about the disciples here, some of those disciples doubted. Well, the, the word here for doubt, it's only used here and in Matthew, uh, is distazo. Distazo. And distazo means a double standing. I don't know what their double standing would have been. They had one foot in, hey, there he is. He was dead not too long ago, and now he's alive. Wow. And I, I rather imagine the double standing was, but wait a minute. Dead men don't live. Well, could that have been their double standing? Or could their double standing have been this? You know, we, we, we've been taught our whole life by, our, uh, by our, you know, the scribes and the Pharisees and the rabbis, the priests. They've, they've all told us what Messiah is going to look at like when he comes. And he doesn't look anything like what we thought he was going to look like. Maybe that's the double standing. I have no idea. But the other time this is used is in Matthew. And uh, Matthew 14. Uh, and in Matthew 14, if you remember that passage, it's Jesus walking on the water. And if you remember, Jesus says, come. And Peter got out of the boat. Everybody remember this? Incredible narrative. He walked on the water, came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened, and he began to sink. So, uh, immediately Jesus reached out with his hand and took him and said to him, You of little faith, why did you distazo? Why did you doubt? Why did you have a double standing? So apparently the double standing is, hey, he's obeying Jesus, he's walking on the water, but the other foot is in fright. And he's thinking, wait a minute. I've never seen a human being walk on water. Human beings can't walk. No one can walk on water. And he begins sinking. Double standing. Y'all, I think in church, I think what my friend was trying to say was this. We can very much have a double standing in our life of discipleship. We can say, hey, this whole thing's about worship and praise music and attendance at church. But if we don't, don't go out there and do the will of the Lord, make disciples of the nation. That's why this is called life-changing discipleship. It's not enough to have your life changed if it hasn't changed enough for you to get out and go do something about it. And the something we're supposed to do is let's be involved in the making of disciples. Let's be involved in winning the unchurched. 
Let's be involved in reaching out in compassionate ministry to those who are prisoners and outcasts and the hungry and the thirsty. We've got to be a part of the doing of the faith. And if we are not, you talk about double standing and you can't. What I love about this passage is they eventually go and do just that, but they don't do it until God and Jesus shows up in Luke 1, or excuse me, Acts 1. And in Acts 1, wow. He's basically saying, okay, I want you to go do, I want you to go do these things. But he says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit's come on, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the remotest part of the earth. Yeah, you need to receive power. And then you're going to be an extraordinary witness. What I love, what I love, what I love about this passage is it sets up the 50 days of counting. If you're between right now listening to this podcast, if you're between Easter and the day of Pentecost, then guess what? You're counting those 50 days. So Easter ends, you start counting the day one, two, three, four, five. And when day 50 hits, you ought to be throwing a party. It'll be a, a Sunday called Pentecost Sunday. And your church or your science school class or your small group, your home fellowship, your family, you and a buddy of yours, whatever, somebody's got to throw a party on that day. You ought to be the one throwing the party on that day because it's the birthday of the church. They get filled with the spirit of Jesus and then they go, man, they go. They make disciples and they reach out to the poor and the oppressed and the disenfranchised and they change the world. They change the world. And y'all, that's God's call in your life too. Yeah, let's give thanks for the resurrection. Let's do a whole lot more to give thanks. We need to be the people that unleash for this gospel, for this great commission. I just want you to know, I, I've had a delightful time preaching through these holidays before, but in our church, the biggest day that we have in our church is Pentecost. You say, wait a minute, bigger than Easter? You bet. Bigger than Christmas? You bet. Because I always say it, and it starts to get me in trouble until people think about it. Um, it's simply this. Christmas isn't enough. Easter isn't enough. You've got to get to Pentecost and have a Pentecost, and maybe even that's not enough. you finally got to go from Pentecost and do the will of the Lord. And so you all just know that the blood isn't enough. Jesus isn't enough. Jesus didn't even think he was enough. He says, I'm sending another one like myself. So the blood's not enough, Jesus is not enough, the cross isn't enough, the resurrection is enough, Pentecost becomes enough if you will act in obedience, and then we can go and change the world. And I bet your community is a little bit like mine. It could use some changing. It could use some more saved people. It could use some more full of the spirit people. It could use some more entirely sanctified people. It can use more of the will of the Lord in your community. How's it going to happen? If Jesus says, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, but we're not acting like salt, we're not acting like the light, then the things we really love to see done simply don't get done. The things the Lord would really like to see done simply don't get done. We call this life-changing discipleship podcast. Our lives need to be changed. Only by the grace of God can that happen. But boy, there's, there can be a lot that stops that grace. There can be a lot that stops that life change. Other people's lives are going to be changed as you allow Jesus to change your life. You allow the spirit of Jesus to fill you to the brim 
and then trust that through circumstance, through problems, through, uh, through difficulties and challenges, you're going to be bumped. And just remember this, whatever you're filled to the brim with spills out when you're bumped. Isn't that good? Whatever you're filled to the brim with will spill out when you're bumped. And that's the stuff of revival. All right, it's a wrap. It's an honor to have you listening to the Life-Changing Discipleship Podcast with Matt Friedman. Hey, check out uh, Amazon.com. Get these books we always talk about, 5Q Method of Discipleship. And of course, uh, we have not, well, we've got a lot of them on there, but uh, Discipleship in the Home. And it's the new Discipleship at Home that you want, because that one is uh, going great guns. And a lot of people picking up on it. I think you're really going to appreciate it. Hey, listen, always tell others about our podcast. And remember, my wife thanks you. My daughter thanks you. My sons and their wives thank you. And I can assure you, I thank you for listening to the life-changing discipleship today. We want you to love God, live clean, keep the faith, make disciples. And God bless you, dear friends. We'll see you back here real soon.